your specific unique capacity to be able to like regulate those emotions, to be able to connect with people and still be yourself, still have your own beliefs, your own value system, and how well you're able to express that in the context of your relationships. Hi friends, and welcome to Do The Damn Thing. I'm your host, Lauren LaRue. I'm an entrepreneur who started with a small blog, and now I am the CEO of the LaRue brand, a lifestyle business and branding studio for women entrepreneurs building intentional lives and intentional businesses. But don't fret, this podcast is for everybody. I created this podcast with the intent to offer people a safe space to land and learn about the journey we're all on together. It's not just about being happy. It's about healing, getting to know yourself, and living intentionally, which is why this podcast is the right place for all of you beautiful souls showing up ready to change your life. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another fabulous episode of the Do The Damn Thing podcast. As always, I'm so happy you're here with me today, and I'm very thrilled to be introducing a very special guest on the podcast today. I have Bianca Ward joining me. She is a certified life coach with five years of experience helping ambitious women use the latest insights from the marriage and family therapy field to build and maintain healthy, long-term romantic relationships. Ladies, I know we're all excited about this. She earned her bachelor's degree from Penn State University by creating her major in combining studies in human development and family studies, psychology and rehabilitation and human services. That was a mouthful. This girl is smart. She is currently in her master's program studying marriage and family therapy, and her work is designed to support women in reaching their full potential through their significant relationships. You guys, I'm so excited to have Bianca on today. I'm so pumped to talk about today's topic, which is the differentiation of self. But before we dive in, I'm going to let Bianca take the mic, introduce herself. You guys, meet Bianca. Hi, everyone. Lauren, thank you so much for your introduction. As Lauren said, I am a certified life coach with five years of experience. I really got started back when I was still in my undergraduate program at Penn State. I was in charge of facilitating workshops and conversations with two different groups within a uh, biological sciences class that I was taking. And because most of those conversations were focused on mental health and how to overcome challenges in family dynamics and romantic relationships is really how I got started with coaching. I started to coach those students in my lab groups. And then from there is when I realized like this is the thing I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And from there is how I enrolled into my coaching certification program and started creating my business. And it's been really amazing for me. I'm very passionate about the work that I'm doing. And I think that it's really important to have more service providers who are able to use science to help guide people in their personal lives. Because Many of us do not learn the healthy concepts that we need to create relationships that are one, clinically healthy, and then two, that are able to actually last and are set up to help you like thrive long term because our relationships have a huge impact Mm -hmm. on our identity and our development. So that's a big reason why like I really wanted to do this episode today so that you guys can have more tools that you could practically use in your personal lives. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. This is already so fascinating. I feel like this is definitely an episode. I tend to always have guests on where they bring up this conversation and topic and I'm so enthralled that I'm like, okay, I need to have you on like five more times to recap this conversation. I'm so pumped. I love having guests on as well who can really bring in such a well-rounded scientific background of things. I feel like a lot of people come to podcasts and listen and learn, but a lot of that learning and a lot of that knowledge isn't always bad by scientific resources, experts in their fields. And that's why I'm really working towards, just so you listeners know, working towards getting more established guests on who really are experts in their field, whether or not their fields like yours is so well niched, which is so amazing because then we can have deeper conversations about what we're talking about. So amazing intro. I'm so excited to have this combo with you. So let's talk about what the differentiation of self is. Bianca, why don't you go ahead and kind of introduce this topic, what it means. I'd love to hear how the difference we can start with is the differentiation of self in your own identity and how you can bring that into dating. Mm -hmm. So yes. So let's start off with explaining exactly what it is because it's really two different things in the marriage and family therapy field. First, it is your capacity to be able to regulate your emotions when you're in high periods of anxiety. It is also your ability to remain a distinctly unique individual while still being able to connect with people on a deep level in your relationships, whether that be romantic, family dynamics, coworker relationships, or friendships. And Mm -hmm. so your level of differentiation is pretty much established in your childhood based on your family of origin. And so people have a tendency to pick partners who are on similar levels of differentiation as they are. And that is really what can account for low levels of differentiation being passed through generations of families. What we're seeing in this field is that the further you go down, In generations, the worse (laughs) the level of differentiation is. And so from our clinical perspective, it is impossible to change your level of differentiation outside of the context of your relationships because it was developed within the context of your relationships. Interesting. Yeah. So it's really something that encompasses a lot of different concepts, but that's Mm -hmm. why it's so important because I think there's a lot of information that's become more popularized nowadays about things like your attachment style and Mm -hmm. developing good boundaries. But I don't think that topics like this differentiation of self are approached in a way so that people can understand that the reason why they don't have good boundaries goes back to their level of differentiation. The reason why like their, their attachment styles, like they're doing all this work on becoming more secure, but they're still dealing with these other things is because they haven't done the work to fix this, this topic of differentiation of self. Interesting. And what do you mean when you say different levels of differentiation of self and different levels of identity and going back Uh, through generations. Can you explain that a little further? Yes, I definitely can. So differentiation of self, when I say the level, it basically is referencing your capacity, your specific 
unique capacity to be able to like regulate those emotions, to be able to connect with people and still be yourself, still have your own beliefs, your own value system, and how well you're able to express that in the context of your relationships, including your relationship with yourself. And I know that that's like a huge mouthful. So to kind of explain that a little bit more, another way to think about this concept is that it exists on like a spectrum. So Mm -hmm. even though these are things that are very practical that you can change and you can work on, there's never going to be one particular point where you're going to reach and say, I am now this perfectly well differentiated human (laughs) being. It's like, it's on a continuum. So either you're on a lower level or you're on a higher level. And actually what we're seeing too is that people can kind of like vacillate between those two, those two different levels, depending on what kind of like relationships they have. You might notice that with your partner, you've established a pretty healthy connection and you're able to show up as who you are. You feel like you're authentic in your relationship. You dress the way you want. You talk the way you want. You're able to engage in hobbies and business ideas that are very important to you. But maybe in your family dynamics, you hesitate to speak your personal opinions. Maybe you don't even feel comfortable talking about your business with your family. Maybe for you, it's really important that your family is in in agreement about the partner that you choose so much so that you will literally stop dating certain people because they Mm -hmm. don't fit the idea that your family wants for them. So sometimes people, specifically within this community, women Mm -hmm. who are very career-driven and who are Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, what I'm seeing is there are actually a lot of women who put a lot of their focus into their businesses, one, because they're passionate about it, which is great. But I'm seeing on the opposite end, there are a lot of women who grew up in families that were highly dysfunctional, in which they passed down levels of low differentiation. And they're having a really difficult time just being able to show up as authentically as possible, and having relationships that are supportive of their business goals. So that's a huge problem I'm seeing. Yeah, that's really interesting. I feel like so much of what you've said makes sense in the context of just like regular relationship bonding and like the way people can approach their relationships. When you started talking about the dynamics where some people can show up so strong in one versus another, my immediate thought was, oh yeah, I know a few people who are really confident and well-rounded in their intimate partner relationships. But then when it comes to family, they have such a different persona in the way they present themselves. They have such a different voice, such a different way that they're approachable in those conversations. And it's very interesting to think that, you know, and I've talked about this so many times on the podcast when it comes to our own like self-identity, when it comes to things like the way our parents raised us and religion and people who had high influence on us. So like teachers and all of these different people throughout our entire lives, but especially as a young child who contribute to our sense of self and to our identity. It's so interesting to think about the ways that that affects us 
still today as grown adults and the way we show up in our personal lives with ourselves and then the way we show up in relationships and friendships and with family members. So all of that is super interesting, especially when you apply it to high achieving women or very ambitious women who have can, can tend to have very interesting reactions to different different relationships in their lives and different interactions with, you know, people who they're like employing versus their best friend versus their boyfriend versus their husband versus their mom and dad and et cetera. So it's just so interesting to think about how all of these identities then play into the way you see yourself and the way you show up for your goals and things like that. Mm -hmm. And within the women that you are referencing, you know, I've seen a lot of women who have grown up to become like people pleasers and they are very much ambitious. But part of that reason is because they're putting so much into their business to almost kind of like distract from things that are not going well in their own personal lives and their own relationships. And I'm not saying that that's like true for every person. I'm just saying specifically, there are a lot of women who fit that description that you were just describing that have had these like clinically dysfunctional family dynamics. And that shows Mm -hmm. a lot in in the partners that they're choosing currently. And then their current problems with those people. Wow. That's so interesting. I feel like we could have a a whole nother podcast episode on just talking about how this concept affects high achieving women, entrepreneurial women, women in like higher up corporate positions, especially in like a male dominated field. I feel like that, I mean, we could just have hours and hours of conversation on that. That's so interesting. But I would love to keep the focus on the dating stuff because I think that's definitely a topic that's not talked about on this podcast as much because for a long time I, I was just single and not even thinking about dating and then my boyfriend came into my life whom I love so dearly and I was like okay we're you know solving our identity crises together when it mm-hmm. comes to dating but I would love to further discuss what this means in a partner relationship and like how because I feel like so many of us especially I mean I've only been in this relationship for a year and a half but for those people who are like married and 10 years in, and I know there, you know, there's these certain points when we get in marriage where there's these like struggles and people can get divorced after so many years and like blah, 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 blah. It's so interesting to think about how over time you start to adopt parts of someone else's identity, those of which you spend so much time with. So what is di- the differentiation of self mean when it comes to dating and kind of using that concept to employ better ways of setting boundaries and, you know, making sure that you don't consume too much of the other person. Mm -hmm. So with differentiation of self, in terms of like your dating and romantic relationships with other people, it is very important that you're able to maintain your own sense of identity. Like your identity is not something that completely changes and is completely dependent on how you're relating with your romantic partner. So I'll give you some examples to kind of demonstrate what I'm talking about here. I've seen a lot of women who have low levels of differentiation in dating who will literally change what they look like physically. They will start changing their hair colors. They'll start changing the way that they dress simply because 
They want to attract and maintain the connection that they've established with their partner, not because those are things that they actually like want to look like. They are specifically doing it because they have these high levels of anxiety. And when you feel really anxious and you're like, I really want to keep this person, you don't have the right tools to be able to say to yourself like, okay, let me take a step back here. What is going on in the relationship that is leading me to feel this way, right? Because if you're feeling that way, there's probably something going on with how your dynamic is established with your partner that needs some kind of change or redirection in some way. Another way that I've seen this come up a lot too is that women who have low levels of differentiation have higher levels of anxiety, higher levels of depression in their relationships, they have higher, higher, uh, more frequent periods of conflict with their partner. And so another common thing that I'm seeing among women is feeling guilty after you have these disagreements with your partner because you start thinking like, oh my God, why did I react this way? Why am mm-hmm. I doing this? And then they start having these high levels of shame because mm-hmm. they feel like, they completely just kind of like went off the rails or said something that they didn't mean with their partner. And that's really important to keep these things in mind because someone who is well differentiated Mm -hmm. says what they mean and they do exactly what it is that they say. They're very consistent. The words Mm -hmm. that they are using with their partner, even in conflict, are consistent Mm -hmm. with how it is that they are showing up in that relationship. Wow, that's really interesting and a very easy way to understand everything that you're saying. As far as I I like the idea of using consistency as an identifier. What going back to the example that you used, what does this mean in like reverse? So what if you're someone who has a high level of differentiation of self and you are committed to your word and you do show up authentically and et cetera for, for both yourself and in your relationship. But what if your partner is the one who has the lower level and how do you, how do you kind of nurture that personality? Is there a way we can help someone in that situation? Or is it just kind of like a, an all on your own thing? Like you have to want it, et cetera. You know, how do, how do we go about being in a relationship from the opposite side? Cause I would feel I have a very strong differentiation of self and I have a very strong identity of who I am but I do have I or I have had relationships in the past both partners and friends that I felt they certainly didn't know like what their true identity was and they didn't know how to show up and they didn't know how to be themselves comfortably how how do you nurture that kind of personality because your identity is something that is so complex and multi-layered The Mm -hmm. easiest way that I could give you advice on like how to change this for anyone who's listening would be to really pay attention to the dynamics of the relationship that you have with your current partner. Like pay attention to, first of all, do you have the foundational elements that make up a healthy relationship currently present in your Mm -hmm. dynamic, right? So like, all of your relationships should really involve you being able to trust one another, 
being able to communicate your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions? Do you feel comfortable enough to share those thoughts and feelings with your partner? Do they feel comfortable with you? That's really, I think, the easiest place to start because I know that some of these like concepts like this, though they are very clear and straightforward, there's so many things involved with them. Like we all have so many different kinds of relationships. So like the way that it shows up for you might look different than how it shows up for someone else. So I've found that paying attention to like those elements and specifically looking at the way that you're communicating with one another is really like the best place to start and figuring out, have a conversation with your partner, figure out how can we work towards changing this dynamic so that both of us are showing up in ways that make us feel good, ways that feel positive. Because I'm seeing personally from people who are experiencing low levels of differentiation, most of the time they don't know about these concepts, but what they do know is that they're not feeling good. Mm -hmm. So pay attention to like, what is feeling wrong to you and really try to get to the deeper why? Why does this feel wrong? What is there that's going on in this dynamic that is leading to these negative feelings? Is it the way that you're speaking to one another? Is it because you feel like you're not showing up authentically? Is it because you feel like you are focusing too much on things that your partner likes to do and not on what you actually like to do. Like just getting clear on that. Another mm -hmm. tip that I have for you with this as well, especially if your partner is on a lower end of this is recognizing that you can change all these things that you want mm -hmm. within yourself, but it is entirely their responsibility to, you know, be who they are as a person and, and show up and do what it is that they say that they're going to do. And there's mm -hmm. nothing you can really do to per se change that. But if this is a dynamic that is healthy and that is built to thrive long-term, they're going to work with you. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm curious how this concept intersects with more ways of like healing and changing the the curiosity I think is when you're talking about how we adopt this identity you know so generational trauma generational identities and then coming in being born into this world and then you know our parents raise us or whomever raises you and then you you interact with teachers and pe people of guidance people of authority in your life who help lend to your identity and then we grow up and we we see hey maybe this part of me isn't the best so i'm gonna go to therapy and i'm gonna heal it because i saw my parents fight all the time so i have such an unhealthy look at relationships and things like that so so much of what i talk about on the podcast has to do with, you know, personal healing and personal development using techniques outside of traditional talk therapy. So things like EFT, EMDR, all of these alternative ways of healing, uh, which are methods that I've practiced in my own life for several years now that have helped me get to where I am. So if someone is listening to us right now and nodding their head and saying, oh yeah, like this is me and they can acknowledge maybe I do have a lower differentiation of self and I, I don't know how to show up fully and authentically in 
all of my relationships or certain relationships. What is your advice to these people on actually healing this? Like outside of so many, you know, reflection techniques, like even as something as simple as like daily journaling or something like that, where you can, you know, come to a conclusion on your own over time. What are your suggestions, you know, both as a human experiencing life, but also as an expert in the field, you know, getting, getting your degree. How do you advise people on going about changing this part of themselves? The first way that you can really go about changing this that I have been able to see actually like work and not be so overwhelming to start because a lot of these things can feel like overwhelming and stressful trying to do it like it's not an easy task to try to work through things that have affected you on such a deep level for the most of your life like that actually is really like a very like honorable task to try to undertake. Totally agree. It really is. It's like a, it's, it's a feat. It's a mountain you are climbing forever. Absolutely. Yes, it really is. And I would say the first thing to do is one, acknowledge yourself for that. And two, also working through your emotions and what it is that you're feeling. And I cannot emphasize how important this is enough just because there's so many different ways to like, of course, work through your emotions, but a lot of how you respond when you're on a lower end of this has to do with how you're feeling, how mm-hmm. you're feeling emotionally, but also like how you're feeling physically in your body. Mm-hmm. And it can be really helpful sometimes just to take a couple of deep breaths to try to reset your nervous system when you feel yourself getting worked up either because of like the dynamic, whether you're like arguing with another person and that's when you start to feel it, or if you're feeling it just by yourself when you're thinking about these relationships. And I've found that that can be incredibly helpful. And though Mm -hmm. it may sound kind of like a very like simple, like task to do, Mm -hmm. it is major because how you feel is going to really show up in how you're expressing yourself with other people, both verbally and non-verbally. Yeah, I feel like that makes perfect sense. Something I've talked about numerous times in a practice that I employ in my own life is certainly addressing emotions on a deeper level. So beyond the beyond the normal scope of like, oh, I feel angry right now. Why do I feel angry? What does this angry feel like? What does it look like? Where does it, where do I feel it in my body? Like really going in depth has been such a formative healing technique for me because it helps me not only be so incredibly comfortable with my own emotions, but it also allows me to acknowledge when these harder or more negative or more difficult emotions are coming up. And instead of letting them come up so quickly and so heavy, I'm able to feel like, oh, okay, I'm getting a little bit angry right now. Maybe I should walk away. Maybe I need to like have a conversation with this person right now that I'm getting angry at or whatever it is. Like it's helping me identify it in the moment versus letting a situation or circumstance bubble over and then later walking away feeling super duper angry or super hurt or really sad or whatever it is. So I think that even these, and I've, I've talked about this so many times, but I'll never stop saying like even the most simple techniques, like you said, like 
taking several deep breaths, even the most simple ones, journaling every day, things like that can really help us to grow within ourselves. Certainly, I I would say, I think, help you grow within your own identity and be comfortable with your emotions. Because I think that that's something, especially, you know, being honest, which I I know, I'm sure you can speak to this, but being comfortable with your own emotions when we're talking about dating more so that's going to be your partner's responsibility. If you are the woman in the relationship, you're the man is typically the one who's more uncomfortable with his emotions, more unable to acknowledge what he's feeling at least out loud. And I experienced that personally in my own relationship. A lot of the times I am the one in my relationship to bring things up with my significant other and make sure like we're on the same page, ask him, and poke and prod, like, how are you feeling? Okay, I upset you, clearly. Talk to me about it. Use your words. <laughs> so I think, I think that, that's an interesting thing to think about, too, being that, you know, the majority of the listeners are women. And if you're in a, you know, man-woman relationship and it's the significant other that perhaps doesn't even have the lower differ- differentiation of self, but the lower ability to acknowledge those emotions, something like these tactics can be so beneficial in bringing up these conversations and having the more difficult conversations, especially when it comes to someone who for a long time has been taught or been told that their emotions should be uncomfortable, especially in a, again, like significant other relationship where maybe watching your parents grow up And not seeing a lot of like lovey-dovey emotion, like I love you so much, blah, blah, blah. Like not seeing that, that teaches a child that those emotions should be kept within the self and not shown and not, you know, not only shown in private, but shown in public and et cetera. So like, I think these techniques and this conversation about identity when it comes to dating is so, so interesting because you're incorporating two people into that conversation and being able to identify as the listener, you know, people who are listening, identify what you are, but then also identify what your significant other may be. And then having that conversation about emotions and like, you know, who do you think you are in this relationship? Like what is your identity in this, you know, personal between us relationship? It's so interesting to think about all of this. Mm -hmm. And it all is, they are all things that, are worth thinking about and actively reflecting on and talking with your partner about something else that may be helpful to for anyone who's listening that everything that you just shared really resonated with. I've found that it can be helpful when you're bringing these topics up with a partner, bring up one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. don't bring up more. <laughs> Sometimes they can feel like too flooded with emotions, especially for like the men who are not comfortable with like talking about yeah. their emotions. It's not something that they've had modeled growing up. And it's yeah. interesting too, because I'm seeing with women as well, they kind of are on like one of two ends I'm seeing. Like, either they themselves are not comfortable with feeling and talking through their emotions. Or on the whole opposite end, like they're always the person in the relationship that is always bringing up like, this mm. is this issue. We need to work on this, which that sounds familiar. <laughs> yes. And that can be great because that shows that like you have a high level of awareness of what's 
happening in the relationship. But sometimes that can feel really like overwhelming and almost sometimes like like a criticism for the mm-hmm. person who's like on the receiving end. So mm-hmm. I've seen that just like bringing up one topic at a time sometimes can kind of help with that and say to yeah. that person, hey, I just want to talk about this and only this for yeah. this time. Mm-hmm. If something else comes up, would you feel comfortable with us revisiting this at another time and then establish another day and time with them there to talk about it and then stick yeah. to it so that you both are getting into a habit of having these conversations. It can also be helpful to even before you have the conversations with them, maybe doing something like intimate together that you both enjoy. And when I say like intimate, I just mean something that promotes feelings of trust Mm. and emotional safety for the both of you, especially the person that's not comfortable (laughs) with sharing these things, right? Because if they're feeling safer in the moment, they'll probably be Uh a little bit more open and more receptive to what it is that you are sharing with them Mm. when you have the conversation. Yeah. The the feeling of safety is, is really important. And Mm. I think that that, can feel a little bit better for the person who's like on the receiving end who isn't used to like having to deal with these Mm -hmm. things. I think that's Mm -hmm. really good. And then that helps you both to also associate positive feelings with being able to talk about shared goals for the relationship. Because if most of your associations are things that are negative because your conversations lead them to feeling unsafe or anxious because of the conversation, then it's like now they have uh, like a negative perception of these things. And people have the natural tendency to avoid things that don't make them feel good. They avoid things that are uncomfortable to them. And that's for everybody, even people who are well differentiated. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I especially, I, especially agree with the point you made about the safety, which I don't think I've thought about like physical safety, emotional safety. It's very interesting to think about these conversations in a safety context, because when we have difficult conversations, whether it's in this genre or anywhere else with someone, I I have certainly been taught both, you know, through learning and through experience that when we have these harder conversations, people's fly or fl- excuse me, fight or flight absolutely kicks in and they're like, I need to run the hell away from this type of conversation. And it's very interesting when, you know, especially as we grow older, become like very situated in adulthood and we're having these more adult conversations, you know, as children, it's very easy. And even young adults, teenagers, it's very easy to say like F you and walk away and just like not think about these things. Right. But as we grow up, we're like, okay, (laughs) I have to deal with these emotions now. (laughs) This is so exciting. Adulthood is so much fun. So it's very interesting, especially, and again, in a, a partner relationship context where it has the potential to like be, I don't want to say catastrophic, but like these conversations, if people are so uncomfortable with them, it can tend to lead to breaking up or separating when it comes to things like my identity in this relationship feels too overwhelmed versus you who I don't think is like doing enough. And if you can't talk about these things so openly and in, And in a way that makes both of you feel safe, it does feel like it's one of those things where someone will just flight and walk away. 
And I actually recently, very recently, like over the over the weekend, had one of these more difficult conversations with my boyfriend. Nothing like our, you know, nothing catastrophic quote, but we were talking about like the work around the house and I'm very OCD. I'm a Virgo. I'm like, this is my responsibility. I got it <laughs> because I have a standard of cleaning that like I need to practice. But I knew over time that it would feel like I was doing too much and he wasn't doing not enough, but just wasn't contributing in a way that I was. And I finally brought it up to him after having a really great conversation with one of my closest friends. And she's like, dude, just bring up, like, just say, Hey, do you mind doing these things? But I had talked myself out of it, I think in my own, cause my identity in my relationship is I think very different, not in a bad way, but just different in, in the way of who I am, you know, like in this context and the way I show up to my business and I was scared to bring it up. And I, it was literally like, do you mind making the bed in the morning? Cause you're the last one out of the bed. And he's like, okay, sure. And I was like, oh, that was so easy. And then we talked about a couple more things because I got gutsy about it. So it's so interesting when it comes to dating and having these conversations. I think another thing to think about as someone who I think, you know, has has a stronger identity and stronger personality against most is that something I do that I need to remove myself from is putting my expectations or personality on another and thinking that they're going to show up the same way I show up because that's just never the case. And we have to let other people also have their own identity. And that's been difficult in multiple relationships of mine, but this is a very new thing for me being in like my very, like my first real adult relationship. So how do you advise kind of reversing this concept, making sure you're not putting your own identity, whether it's lower or higher on this spectrum that you're talking about onto your significant other? Mm-hmm. The way to do that is like how you're saying, like allowing the person to be who they are. But I really want to make clear here that like this area is where it may be a little uncomfortable for certain people, right? Because it may lead to you recognizing that like maybe you're not in a necessarily healthy relationship, right? So like... In a healthy relationship, you absolutely both should be able to, like, accept one another as who you are. That's, like, an essential component of a relationship. Every person's going to have their own flaws, their own shortcomings. But I've, I've been able to see, too, that, like, when something is nagging at you so bad, that is something that is inherent to another person, not an action that they're doing, but just like literally who they are as a person. Yeah. That's yeah. usually one of the first red flag signs that there might be something dysfunctional, dysfunctional with how you're both relating to one another in this dynamic, right? Because if you're in a, a healthy relationship, you both can recognize each other's flaws. And you say like, hey, here are here are our goals for the relationship. Here's, where, here's how we're going to both develop a plan that we're going to work together on and talk about and follow through on to change in a way that creates an equal partnership between the both of us, right? Because 
there are so many relationships where there's an unequal balance of power that's happening in the relationship. And usually when I say this to people, like sometimes they kind of have like negative reactions to it because we tend to think of power and control in relationships from the perspective of like, what is this person telling me to do verbally? Mm-hmm. But it can also be just like power differentiations that are like just inherent to your relationship. Like, mm-hmm. is it a huge difference in like your ages? Sometimes that can create a power mm-hmm. dynamic unintentionally. It's not something that yeah. you guys are trying to do. It's just that there, there's a difference in certain things. Sometimes that may come from like status and wealth that can create like power dynamics sometimes with like the example that you gave i'm not saying specifically for your relationship i'm just saying i've seen this in relationships where it can be like unequal balance of power that started from like uh like household chores like Mm -hmm. maybe there's one person that is always like no, you have to do this because I'm not going to do it. That is unhealthy. That is dysfunctional. Yeah. Right? yeah, that sounds not good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not good. So like, I just want to, I know I kind of like talked a bit about that, but I really want to like hone in on that because mm-hmm. I've seen this happen where, you know, sometimes people will reflect on these things. They start feeling through their emotions and they realize hold up, this relationship is not as healthy as I thought it was now that I'm like starting Mm -hmm. to unpack these things. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It's very interesting to think about the different power dynamics in a relationship. And when you're talking about that, because now I'm even like thinking things through with lots of different relationships, what is the scenario if there's influx in, I don't think power is the right word, but one person's role in a relationship with one category and then the other person is compensating for that in another. Cause I feel like if you're thinking about, especially like a partner relationship, I feel like in friendships that might be easier to acknowledge, but in partner relationships, like there's always going to be different, you know, levels of where you're showing up and things. But as long as, is it, you're talking about like the overall scale evening out or should you be categorizing your relationship in like all of these different ways? Because I mean, even with something as simple as income, there's always going to be someone who like makes some like something mm-hmm. more or, you know, whatever. So h- how do you look at that more holistically and decide if the relationship you're in feels fair and feels congruent to each other? The easiest way to know that goes back to your emotions. Do you feel comfortable with how this dynamic is going? Oh, yeah, right? Because... That. Because if you're in a healthy dynamic, you're most likely going to feel comfortable with the differences that are going on with yeah. with what's happening in the relationship. And there are always going to be differences, but there's a difference between things that are different to the both of you and things that are creating an unequal balance yeah. of power, yeah. right? Like if someone is using their wealth as a or their status as a way to control you in the relationship control your sense of autonomy control what you can or cannot do even in the relationship as it relates to any kind of topic in that relationship then it's an unequal balance of power it goes back to the control factor Mm -hmm. if it's not an issue with control when you unpack it 
And you can look at it and say, okay, I feel comfortable. And you need both of those things to be elements that are present Mm -hmm. for it to be something that is like, or or more so on like a healthy end. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. That does make total sense. I feel like the question of something as simple as asking yourself, does this relationship feel good to me? Does, do I feel comforted? Do I feel like I can trust this person? And all of those questions, vice versa, like you certainly don't want to be in a relationship where you trust someone wholly or you love someone wholly and that's not reciprocated. So those very simple questions that really poke and pride, I think is, is so critical really to any aspect of your life, but very interesting when it comes to this, because I think also when you're able to answer those questions, it does give you a lot of sense of identity, even if those answers feel uncomfortable. Being able to say, no, I don't actually feel comfortable in this relationship. Like so many people are more comfortable living in denial than actually acknowledging their emotions, which is just truly scary because so many people could be so much happier than they are. And, you know, of course there are, you know, circumstances in which that doesn't fit, but in, in the context of a partner relationship, being able to acknowledge like maybe this just isn't working anymore or things have changed too much or I'm just not as happy as I was and deciding like I'm going to do something about it and acknowledge that I think is a very strong reflection on the person thinking those things because they're able to grasp back onto that sense of identity and say like, no, I do deserve better. I I can be in a relationship. I'm worthy of being in a relationship where these things are equal and I do feel trusted and I do feel loved. And all of this does feel good to me, which is such a perfect spot, I think, honestly, to round out because this conversation and this podcast and this brand is always going to be about intentional living and caring for yourself and putting yourself first always. And I think that being able to do so in a relationship and acknowledging your worth and your value and acknowledging perhaps when you've simply just outgrown something in your life is such a powerful place to be in because we we always want to come from a place of love and we don't want to hurt someone. And, and those conversations can feel impossible and very scary when it comes to ending something like a relationship or a friendship. But being able to acknowledge like I've just simply outgrown this and it, it's just not working anymore is such a beautiful piece of your identity when you're able to do that. So the last part I want to end on, the last question I have for you, which I think it's just interesting to round out on, is you mentioned at the very beginning, and I think that this can kind of hone in on the more simple understanding that a lot of us have of this, is I want you to go back to the attachment styles and mention just quickly, because I think that this is interesting for people to make connections and just like kind of deeper their understanding of this whole conversation. How do attachment styles contribute to the differentiation of self? And are there particular attachment styles, excuse me, are there particular attachment styles that sit on the lower or higher end of this? Yes. So, so far, what we know from the field is that there is a correlation between your differentiation of self and your attachment style. People who are not very well differentiated tend to have insecure attachment styles, whether that is an anxious, avoidant 
style or if it's disorganized. Okay. We see we're seeing people all across like the board on the lower end having that kind of like style. And then people who are more well differentiated, of course, tend to be more secure. And over time, and in several of their relationships, because although this is still being explored more clearly in the research, what many service professionals are seeing is that even if someone has a dominant attachment style, like say, for example, someone is usually like an anxious attachment style, the way that that shows up in their romantic relationship may not look the same as how it shows up in like a family dynamic Mm -hmm. or with a friend, even though like that is their style. So I think that for people who are listening, who are like learning about these things, just trying to like take in information and see how they can apply that and work towards intentional living Instead of focusing so hard on like identifying which thing you have, really focus on what is it that I'm feeling and what is it that I would like to change and make sure that the dynamic that you have with your partner is something that's set up where you're able to do that. That's the key. And I think if you can do those three things, mm-hmm. then you're you're going to be on track to becoming more secure and making sure that you're well differentiated. Yeah. So that's really the link. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I love all the highlights you put on identifying your emotions, being able to acknowledge them. That's one of the most critical parts of living an intentional life is just growing comfortable with even your most difficult emotions. And for me, that's been such a journey and one I am happy to say I can continue on in my you know partner relationship and it's it's such a comfort to me to know that those feelings and emotions are welcome and asked about and 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 acknowledged in that relationship in all of my relationships really so what a beautiful place to end Bianca thank you so much for coming on and I understand you have an offering you'd like to share with the group please Yes, of course. So if any of you listening to this would like some help on your either your dating journey because you're single and you're wanting to find a healthy partner, or if you're already in a committed romantic relationship and you just want to make sure you have like healthy foundational elements that are going to help you thrive long term with your partner, you can sign up for a free 30-minute coaching session with me. I will help you identify your level of differentiation with where you are currently and help you identify the next steps within your journey to hit your most important relationship goals. And if you're interested in getting that 30-minute session with me, you can go to biancaward.com slash contact. Just answer the seven questions. They're really brief on the page. And then I will reach out to you with setting up a call to get your free session. Amazing. Yes. And all of her information, excuse me, information is in the show notes. I don't know what that, I I said information for, I don't know what's happening. My brain is dead. (laughs) It's almost Friday. (laughs) We're almost there. Um, This has been fantastic. Everything you need to know about Bianca is going to be in the show notes and she will be featured on the Instagram. She will be 
everywhere you know the spiel and bianca thank you so much for coming on this has been fabulous i so so much enjoyed this conversation you've taught me so much in the last 50 minutes and as soon as my boyfriend gets home we're talking (laughs) (laughs) overwhelm him like you told me not thank you listen to the podcast it's awesome (laughs) thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it it was such a fun conversation it was it's been a true delight and you guys all know the spiel i love you all so so dearly and i will see all of you beautiful souls next week